So if you have your Bibles with you, you can open up to John chapter 14. I want to deal with peace. To be effective in our walks, it's very important that we're at peace in our spirit, we're at peace in our mind, we're at peace emotionally in, in every aspect of our lives. It's hard to be effective for God when we have unrest. There was a situation that happened this week uh, in my basketball program. So I have a basketball program of probably 60-plus kids that range from 13 to 18, all walks of life, some single-parent homes, some don't live with a parent, some have both parents, some have money, some don't. So there's all types of situations you can get from, from teenagers, especially boys. So um, there was a particular situation that happened this week, and I just found myself just really um, having unrest. I want to say it might have been Monday, I believe. Yeah, it had to have been Monday night. I just I couldn't even really sleep well. I probably didn't doze off till 3 o'clock just thinking about the situation and what could I do. And then part of me was just like, well, I have to be at peace before I can do anything. Before I can even pray with the right mind, I have to have peace with this situation. And there's a lot of people that God places us in their lives that we're supposed to be interceding for them. But if we're not even at peace in our own selves, in our, how can we affect the situation? So the Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 27, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And with that being said, how many times are we at work or with family, friends, whatever the case may be, and a situation comes up and we just lose that peace we had. Or maybe I started the day off right and then a, a coworker or a manager or whoever, whoever it is, it just kind of ruins my day, ruins my mood. Like that's not how God calls us to live. Our, our peace, our level of peace shouldn't go up and down because of circumstances, because of people. And the enemy will use that as a way to try to knock us off. He knows that a lot of times he can't get us to deny Jesus, but if he can get us to maybe not say that encouraging word to somebody that needed it that day because our, cause we don't have peace, the enemy will feel like he won. There's all types of of situations as we as we read more we'll see that there's different even different levels of peace that we can pray for to be effective and then it's even a thing where a lot of times you look at it, well I know I'm saved and and I have peace I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior but the enemy can still attack us whether we're saved or unsaved in the level of peace there was a a time where I realized I definitely needed the peace of God in my life. I wasn't sure if my wife was going to be in nursery today, so I don't want to embarrass her. But One thing I learned when, it's always interesting, when you get married, you haven't lived with the person, you don't really know everything. It's one thing to go on dates and, and everybody's sweet and happy and sharing and giving and caring. But then you get married, and there's one piece of dessert left. Then you got one piece of your favorite meal left. And then some of that sharing and caring is a little different. 
But thank God for his peace. Because I've come to learn if there is one last piece left, it's hers. It's not mine. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. See, it wasn't that bad. Genesis chapter 3. Say amen when you get there, please. All right, so we'll be in Genesis chapter 3. I'm just going to give a couple examples of how we are as people in our natural state outside of God. How, how we try to deal with, with peace and situations. And we'll, we'll go back and still talk about relationships and couples. So in Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 11, it's with Adam and Eve. And this is God speaking to Adam. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? So these are two simple questions that God asked them. Who told you that you were naked? And did you eat of that tree? So Adam's first response is, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Straight to pointing fingers. How many times do, if we look back at a situation and we're like, we kind of put ourselves in that situation but naturally, it's so much easier to just point the finger at somebody else. And then as we start to do that and we go down that path, it only gets worse from there. It only gets worse from there. So with that, we look at it. Adam didn't answer the question. He, he automatically blamed Eve. And it's a situation where the more we begin to blame others and point fingers, the more stressed out we get whenever, if we're just walking in the right frame of mind and seeking God's peace, we can see, okay, yes, we're going to make mistakes. And then we just own up to it and repent and keep moving instead of just allowing a lie or allowing unforgiveness or whatever the case may be to build up and, and take our, our peace away that God gave us. If you can just turn to Genesis chapter 4, we'll read from verse 1. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time, his brother, Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So we've seen a situation where we have couples who maybe it's in Adam and Eve's case, they weren't, they weren't walking with the peace of God. They were just doing things how we can carnally do and naturally do. Now we have a situation with brothers. So we'll pick up in three. It says, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry at his countenance and his countenance fell. So just in that situation, 
we can put ourselves in the story. Maybe it's not brothers. Maybe we're not, we know how this story ends. It's not going to go to the point of death, but maybe we're at a job and, and somebody got a raise and we felt like, well, I deserve this. I've been working. And, and now you start to lose peace. Now you start to stress and worry over a situation. It says, if you do well in verse seven, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, send lies at the door and its desires is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. So that's, that's how, and like I said, it might not be to that extreme that it ends in death, but if we're walking in the flesh, if we're walking in our carnal minds, that, that's how we want to resolve conflict. With we want to get back at the other person, just like Adam was quick to blame Eve. And how many times can we look at situations in our lives where maybe we felt like we were done wrong? And maybe, maybe that was true, maybe it wasn't. But our, our thought process is, oh, this isn't fair. Oh, I, I don't deserve this. They deserve this. God, what are you doing? Like if you even look at the story with Adam, he blamed Eve and he blamed God because he said, this is the woman you gave me. The same one he wanted. So it's a, it's a situation where if we're not walking with that right frame of mind, our, our vision of, of situations and circumstances gets very cloudy. If you can turn your Bibles to 2 Peter. And as you get there, it's just, it's just recognizing situations in our life where our, our peace shouldn't waver from day to day or whether it's week to week or month to month. As we get ready to go to Second Peter, I also wanted to talk about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and even while he wrote that, the majority of that time he wrote it, he was in prison. It takes a certain amount of peace to be able to be a blessing to others and reach out to others as you're in prison for something you didn't do. So you might be at that workplace and feel like, I'm the only one doing things right. I'm, I'm God, I'm praying, I'm, I'm seeking you. Well, you have to keep doing it. Because what the enemy wants you to do is just get in your feelings and, and just look at it from and have a pity party. And then that day that you decided to give in was the day that that coworker was gonna come to you and, and ask for prayer or ask for, for what's so different about you. I feel stressed too, but for whatever reason, I don't ever see it on you. And you might have missed out on that opportunity. It's getting quiet in here. I should have brought another joke. Next, I might just see what I can come up with myself. So we'll read in Second Peter um, chapter 1, verse 2. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. See, we see that in, those ver in that verse, his peace can be multiplied. Like there's not just, it's not just one level of peace. Like when the apostle Paul was in prison during those times and he was writing part of the New Testament, writing to the churches, giving them an encouraging word, he, he needed more and more peace. He needed more and more grace to stay focused to fulfill God's calling in his life. And we may not be in prison here today, but 
we all have a calling of God on our lives. And we can't fulfill it if we're not at peace. I don't know how, how many in this place have heard of Richard Wormbrand. Okay, okay, we got two over here. I would suggest uh, it depends. So there's a book, there's a documentary, and there's a movie. Um, I would probably suggest watching the documentary first, if you can. Um, he wrote a book, and it's called Tortured for Christ. How many of you heard of that? Man, only three. Well, write, that, write it down in your notes if you can, because it is very, it's a very good book. It's a true story, um, and it'll definitely uplift your faith. So if you could, definitely go watch that. They have it on Netflix. They have, you can buy the book. I think I got the book uh, sent to me for free. So you can definitely get the book wherever. And in that book, it's, it's based back in probably the 1930s, 40s, around the time of World War II, it, or a little bit during that time, and a little bit after. And it was in communist countries. And during that time, they didn't want any religion to go out anywhere. They wanted everybody to just um, have no God. That's why a lot of times you, you'll see people who come from Eastern Europe sometimes, and they don't really have that strong of faith. I know I, I played with a teammate in college from Bulgaria, and he was telling me that the majority of the people he grew up with were atheists because in their parents' generation, they weren't allowed to worship or have any kind of religion. So during this time, there was still a big underground church movement, and people knew if they had an underground church, they were going to be arrested, and when they were arrested, they would split the families up, They'd be tortured, beaten, everything you could think of. And there was a time where he even talks about it where they made a deal with the guards that they would preach and the guards would beat. They said, we preach, you beat, and we get over it. And he said it was some of the craziest feeling that they had an amazing peace of God over them that he was like, there's no way that it wasn't supernatural because there's no way they could have endured the pain the beatings, the tortures, the everything. They said God's peace filled that whole place. And, and it wasn't just a, a one time, oh, Lord, fill me with your peace and your presence. It was continued. And his peace and his grace, as we saw in Second Peter, could be multiplied in that place. There was even times where he said that they went through so much that all they would have is a, a little piece of, of a scripture that somebody could memorize. And they would pass it around and pass it around and just go over that same verse over and over and over and over and over and over, just seeking the Lord. And it was amazing what God did in that place. Even some of the guards got saved and they knew what their fate would be just because of, of men and women coming together and, and just seeking God and his peace. They weren't thinking about being separated from their family. They weren't thinking about having family members killed in that same prison that they saw, there was a time where a man was, I won't go into too much detail because it's, it's pretty detailed, but a man was in there with his child and his child was arrested for sharing the gospel. And he had an opportunity to, he wanted to take his son's place and like, I'll take the beating, I'll take whatever it takes. And, and they ended up, they executed his son right in front of him. And it was a thing where it at that time, 
the child was, he was okay with it from a standpoint of he knew where he was going and he knew that he was able to suffer, share in Christ's sufferings and he was going to go as a martyr. Like those are things we can't comprehend in a natural state. Like you have to have a supernatural power behind you to go through something like that. And if it's something where you have children and teenagers and, and parents willing to suffer all the, all the way to the point of death, how much stronger should we be? We're talking about jobs and joking about food and things like that, about having peace. How much more peace can we have knowing that we don't even have to go through those things? The only thing that we truly have to deal with is just trying to win the lost around us. We're not worrying about, do I have a place to lay my head at night? We're not worrying about, am I going to get killed if somebody finds me with the Bible? These were these people's reality at that time, and they still never stopped. There were times um, in, that, in that story where they said that they're just mentally, they just weren't in it just because they went through so much stuff. So they would just make up songs to praise the Lord, and they, and they were just amazed how God's peace would fill that place. So, again, in, 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 first, in Second Peter, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus of our Lord. So as we gain more knowledge about Christ, as we continue to read his word, grace and peace can be multiplied. One thing that we're not in control over is what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't, any, anything could happen, whether it's a, a job, a situation could happen with a loved one, someone could get sick, whatever the case may be. But if we're constantly seeking the Lord and seeking his peace, we're already preparing ourselves for it. And I just want to share a couple examples. Uh, we'll read a couple verses. Uh, we'll go to Philippians chapter 4. And this isn't a word to get us down and thinking like, dang, what am I doing? It's just to truly to encourage us to know that that same peace that, that the Apostle Paul sought, the same peace that those people in the Book of Martyrs sought, we have access to that same God, that same supplier of peace. So Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And we'll also go to Psalm 29, verse 11. It says, the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. And that's the thing that we have to remind ourselves that there's no situation that the Bible tells us that there's, there's no weapon formed against us that can prosper. So with that, he'll equip us every single time. It says the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. There's so many parts of the Bible that talks about peace, 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 because he knows this world that we're living in, that we can't operate without it. We can't be effective without it. And in closing, I'd like to no, it's kind of early. Share a story. I don't know how many of you all watched the national championship game for college basketball. They had it on Monday. 
So Virginia obviously won. Um, and Virginia's head coach, he's a big believer. He's really strong in his faith. Um, he got saved, I believe, at 14 at a camp. So, and his name is Tony Bennett. So last year, his team was a number one seed. So how the NCAA tournament works, there's, you have a number one seed all the way down to a number 16 seed. So the one plays the 16, the two plays the 15. The number one's never supposed to lose the 16. Like they've had this tournament for over 70 plus years, probably a lot more than that. So Tony Bennett at Virginia was actually the first team ever in the history of the tournament to lose to a number 16 seed last year. So they're expected to have a great chance to win it, and then they lose in the first round. So you have – how many people have heard of Virginia? Everyone's heard of the state of Virginia. How many of you have heard of UMBC? How many know what UMBC stands for? How many know what state UMBC is in? It is in Maryland. It is in Maryland. Did you know about UMBC before the tournament last year? Okay, I didn't either. So, yeah, UMBC, it's University of Maryland. I think Baltimore is in the name, something, something. I still don't know the name. But anyway, so UMBC, none of us have ever heard of it. Nobody even knows what state it's in. And they beat the University of Virginia last year. So obviously that was the biggest upset in tournament history. So with that, everybody was calling for Tony Bennett to be fired. It's like, how do you lose? That's supposed to be the easiest game possible. You have a whole bunch of people betting on the games and expecting them to win and everything else, and, and you lose to UMBC. So obviously with that, that's a trying time for Tony Bennett because college basketball is a very, very competitive um, business. You can be here one day and, and fired tomorrow. So he's obviously looking at it like, okay, I, I might get fired or, or whatever. That's obviously how someone in their natural mind would look at it. But he stayed, he kept that peace. He stead, stood strong in his faith. So he fast forward a year, his team's in the exact same position again. They got a number one seed. I don't remember who they played in the first round. But they made it all the way to the national championship this year. So from the lowest of the lows to in 365 days, you have an opportunity to win a national championship. So the football coach at Clemson, who's actually a believer too, they won this year, he sent him a text before the national championship game. It said, let the light that shines in you be brighter than the light that shines on you. Yeah. I'll say it again. Let the light that shines in you be brighter than the light that shines on you. So that's what he read, and he shared it with his team. He's actually, um, they have five pillars that they run their program by, and he, he prays for all his players. Not all of his players are saved, and he understands that, but he still pushes them in that direction pretty much as much as you can. And, uh, and he leads by example. So here's a couple quotes that he said, because they ended up winning the national championship, actually. And he says, during the trophy presentation, Coach Bennett told the story of playing a song for his team called Hills and Valleys. It's a gospel, it's gospel music. Torn Wells plays the piano, and at the start, it says, I've walked among the shadows, you wiped my tears away, and I felt the pain of heartbreak, and I've seen the brighter days. This is in an article that was posted, actually, by the Washington Post. 
and said, it's a beautiful ballad about trusting God. And Wells uses his voice to make the lyrics go through hills and valleys. It doesn't qualify as pump up music for the biggest game ever, but for this team, it fit the moment. It's hard to imagine many other whistle-toting coaches being comfortable enough with themselves, open enough with their players, and fearless enough to turn their faith, turn to their faith during such a moment. Some programs claim to be spiritual, but under pressure, the curse words start spewing and the demand for intensity for playing with rage becomes the motivational crutch. But that's not Virginia, and that's not Tony Bennett. And he, was, he said after the game, he said, I think there was a bigger plan going on here, Coach Bennett said. And I didn't need it, but I was used in it. I hope that it's a message for some people out there that there can be hope and joy and resiliency. I'm thankful for what happened. So with that, he, had, he went on to, to say that it was a great moment, but the greatest moment in his life was when he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And, and he said that on national television in front of everybody. The same person who was in a situation last year where everybody was calling for him to lose his job. And now everyone's calling for him for a raise and for him to never leave the school and, and make sure he never gets out of their sight. And it's crazy how in that situation he could have easily turned and been like, I might lose my job because you guys weren't focused. He could point the finger at the players easily and say, you guys were overconfident. Now you guys might cost me my job. Um, the university, the fans, everybody is, is upset with me because of y'all. He could have easily did that. He could have easily just decided to resign because of the pressure. But he was a man of faith. He ran his program faith-based. He stayed in the word. And it's just amazing how if you just seek the Lord and seek his peace, what he can do at the end of it. Just a little struggles that we go through. A lot of times it's, it's just to build up our testimony. But how many times have we had what should have been a testimony be cut short because we, we, didn't, we didn't look in the mirror. We didn't seek the Lord. We just wanted the easy way out. We wanted to place blame somewhere else when God just wanted us to just keep pushing through, keep pushing through. Who knows who we could have impacted? And the best part about God is he doesn't give up on us. He never gives up on us. He, he tells us that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And with that being said, we still have more opportunities. Who knows what tomorrow may bring? We might be faced with a situation. I guarantee that somebody in this place is going to be faced with a situation tomorrow, whether it's at work, at school, wherever, where it's just going to be a test. It's going to be a test to see, are we going to get up in the morning and seek God and seek his peace? So now when we're faced with that test, we're faced with that situation, we know exactly what to do. We can just smile through it and already know God got it. He's in control. And he'll give us those words of encouraging words to reach out to others. Let's all bow our head and close our eyes. Dear Lord Jesus, we just thank you for an opportunity to hear and read your word, Lord God, because we know that there's power in it, Lord Jesus. There's no power in my words. There's no power in my thoughts, but in you and you alone, Jesus. And Lord God, I pray that you will touch every heart in this place. Lord God, touch those who are brokenhearted, Lord God. Touch those who have a lot weighing on them right now, Lord Jesus. Lord, none of us know what each other are going through each and every day and behind closed doors, but you do, Lord God. 
You know us better than we know ourselves, Lord Jesus. And if there's anybody in this place who's struggling with peace, struggling with unrest, Lord God, I pray that this will be the moment that we seek you. This will be the moment that we just are honest with you and honest with ourselves and just allow you, you to fill us with a peace that surpasses all understanding. How many are in this place tonight and, and you, you want that peace? You've never really had that peace that just doesn't make sense. Like the Bible says, surpasses all understanding. Maybe you haven't given Jesus your heart. Maybe you've been to church a couple times and we're not asking for church membership or how many times you've been to church. We're asking if, have you ever given your life to Christ? Have you ever just said, Jesus, I surrender to you take control and maybe you're in this place tonight and you haven't done that but something's tugging at you which is the Holy Spirit and, and, and saying tonight's your night you can do that how many in this place would, would like to give Jesus lordship of their lives if that's you in this place I just ask that you just raise your hand and, and put it back down maybe you're in this place tonight and and you've given Jesus lordship of your life, but you've, you've gone through some battles, you've gone through some trials, you've had some struggles, which is all part of life. And with that, you've, you've lost that peace. You've lost that peace that surpasses understanding. You've gotten to the point where fear has started to come in and you just wanna get right back with God and just give him those burdens because we're not built to carry those things. We've seen stories in the Bible of, what happens when we try to take things on ourselves and if that's you I just I just want to pray for you this evening as well with that being said I, can we all just stand up the altars are open we'll just take this time to to pray I know it's wasn't as long as normal but we can take advantage of this time in prayer <laughs> 